What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Sunday night post-WWE pay-per-view edition. John, you came. we were watching uh, Clash of Champions, and you were like, hey, let's record after Clash of Champions. There was a Bloodsport show. There was a UFC show. There was boxing all weekend. And this is this is something that you wanted to do. So I am game. And uh, how's it going? It's going good. I just figure, you know, it's, it's a you know pay per view. It's a big boxing match, UFC fight. Um, I watched Bloodsport this uh, on Saturday, so I just figured like by the time Thursday roll around, this will all be old news. So let's just kind of let's record a show tonight and see how you know our listeners like it. Yeah, so I think this is something we can do uh, every once in a while. I think it's a good sort of test to do it because, you know, WWE pay-per-views are, I, I mean, I'm going to guess, but I'm going to say the uh, the thing that people who listen to this show are probably all uh, as much as possible going to watch together. Now, AEW shows, that that may be something, too. We'll, we'll have to see about that, how that goes. But I, th- I think there's a good crossover with AEW. Um, there's a good crossover with WWE. UFC shows, not as much now, though I would have said like, you know, maybe five, six, seven years ago, that would have been just as much as WWE. But we'll we'll figure it out and see what we can do. You know, we're both pretty busy people with families. And, you know, I know you have another one coming. So there's, so there's going to be times where we may get interrupted just in general because <laughs> of that. So just try to fit stuff in. And, you know, we're always sort of testing and experimenting. So this is kind of what we're doing tonight. Um, so just to kind of get this out of the way. Uh, you know, last week I, I said I wasn't going to, you know, bring up the whole, you know, subscriptions or subscribe and then leave reviews. But I just wanted to shout out our good friend uh, Becky Straw, who made it a point to uh, ask me exactly how she can leave a, a five star review. And uh, and so she did that. I really appreciate Becky. I've actually met Becky a few different times just on uh uh I think the first time I met her was uh, WrestleMania 32 weekend at... Um, Wherever the uh, second ever Wale Mania was, that was where I met Becky for the first time. Me, Damian Gonzalez. Um, I think I, I I think his his wife was there. I'm not 100 percent sure if his wife Inez was there, but uh, Becky and Robin Clark, and I, that's when I got to meet. And then you know for the last I don't know at least three other WrestleManias or two other WrestleManias, I've got to hang out with her a little bit. So she's really fun person great personality loves wrestling and is so positive and so love becky thank you very much for the uh, for the review um i, I think we should just kind of dig into clash of champions and, and get that out of the way because it's the thing that's closest to uh our our memories right now we just got it we just watched it at uh, at big dave's and um i think you liked it a little bit better than i did but i think we have some of the same thoughts but i also think when it comes to a couple matches uh we're going to have some different thoughts. So I kind of just want to dig in and quickly go through the majority of the show. You know, I'm not going to sit there and, and go through video packages and certain interviews, but I, I I am interested in your thoughts specifically because I think we, we talked about this on on one of our shows with AEW and sort of match order and how the show gets laid out and the pace and, you know, does the ladder match close? Does you know Jericho and Adam Page close? And we we spent a lot of time talking about that. And so I'm sort of interested in, in what you thought in the layout here. So let's go uh, pretty much uh, from the beginning of the show. Uh, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman versus Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode was the first main card show, uh, main card match. But they put 
the 205 Live match, the three-way, which was supposedly half, you know, halfway decent on first. And then they decided to put AJ Styles and Cedric Alexander as the second pre-show match. And I was really bothered with this because this was the match that I was looking most forward to because I thought, you know, dumb me, that after you do the Raw match, which is a taste of what you're going to really get, and this is how they used to do it, then we're going to give you the pay-per-view match where they can really go. So I was really excited. It's like, oh, you know, they'll, they'll do a match that is a little bit better than Raw and, you know, probably a little bit more conclusive finish. But no, they did it in the pre-show. Five minutes, AJ wins. Cedric is, uh, I don't know what Cedric is right now, and, and he loses this match, uh, and then he gets beat up after. So what was your thoughts about, I mean, because we didn't see this match. We didn't see the, the pre-show. But what was your thoughts on pl- the match placement and just Cedric in general? And, you know, why is AJ on the pre-show when he's probably, you know, one of the top two or three guys in the whole company? Just like that whole thing. Well, when I first heard about, the match time, the basically it was, for the most part, not a squash, but you know AJ dominating is a quick match. Um, I thought I kept thinking like that was interesting. Why would they do that? But then I kind of kind of put together as I just kept thinking about it throughout the night, and you know I think because the OC on Raw at MSG was Stone Cold, they you know took the stunner from Stone Cold, all that, and then they basically got their you know butts handed to them and two major segments on that show, I think they wanted to kind of just, you know, rehab the OC a little bit, you know, get them you know, back to being badasses. And, you know, after I guess apparently even after the match, you know, OC came out, Carl, Carl Anderson and, um, and Luke Gallows came out, and then they all beat up on poor Cedric. So I think it's just a call to kind of rehab the OC and kind of get heat on them again. You know, and, and it's unfortunate and also, I think maybe too, like it's not a bad thing to put for the locker room. I think mostly to put like a guy like AJ on the pre-show because you know, you know, people might bitch and complain like, why am I only on like a pre-show? Blah blah blah. But like, hey, AJ was on the pre-show and he didn't bitch and complain, right? Or at least we just don't think he did. But I, I doubt he did because yeah, I think he's one of the true professionals out there. So you know, I mean, it's like a little also like like that. You know, a little lesson for the locker room is that you know, anyone can be on the pre-show. Okay, so. I think that is a sound logic on your end, except by putting it on the pre-show, do they really get their heat back? Because who watches the pre-show? <laughs> I know. Not very few. But I maybe also they knew it was going to be a, like, a match that people would be disappointed in, I guess. So maybe they put it on the pre-show where it's like, you know, not. I don't know. I just, that's what I think. I think mainly is because they just want to, Rehab the OC. I'm sure they'll show something. They showed it earlier, later in the pay per view. We saw the highlights of it. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. So I think it's just, you know, some match had to be sacrificed, and that was the one that got picked. Okay. So, like I said, the tag team championship match opened up the show. You and I had differing opinions on what they could do. I, I didn't have any faith in them being creative. I just said, oh, you know, <laughs> the the guys just kind of get upset at each other and then they lose and it sets up the main event. And you said, well, I think they should actually hold on to the belts because you could actually tell a different story, maybe a more creative story. But, you know, Vince McMahon told the story that he generally tells here where, you know, the baby faces can't get along and they, 
you know, something happens between the two of them and one walks out mad. They lose the titles. Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler are the new Raw Tag Team Champions. I didn't even think that this was like a crazy breakup either. It was just like, you know, goofy Braun Strowman knocks Bobby Roode into Seth. And then Braun Strowman takes a tumble outside. So he's out of the match. And then Bobby Roode hits his, uh, hits his finisher on Seth and pins him. And it was just like, okay, like... That was sort of normal. Bobby Roode is the number one contender now. I get it. That that's what the story that you're telling. Yeah, I you know I figured this match was going to open it. I think like when the the writers and Vince and everyone and Heyman and all people involved and creative were like you know we got class champions coming up. What's our hook? What's our what's our big what's our what's our hook for class champions? Even though the hook is all titles will be defended, right? But I think, you know, they, they just got too creative for their own good. I think it actually hurt them even. I think if they would have, you know, instead of doing the whole, like, Seth and Braunstrom would be in tag team champions, then, you know, going you know going in the mystery, how they can defend, how can they how can they defend the titles and those tag titles and also have a title match. I think it hurt um, the aura of the main event. I think if they didn't have the bullshit with the tag titles, they would have been. It would have been a bigger match, in my mm-hmm. opinion. They mm-hmm. end up delivering that main event. We'll talk about later. But like, I just think there'll be more anticipation for that title match. And I think you know, because sometimes you know, like like tournaments and one show are hard because you see the the people a couple times, right? So they it less and less as each match goes. And that same thing with this. Like you see, you already saw Strowman come out and Seth Rollins comes out. You already pop from them when they came out and you always saw them in action so now you got to get yourself back up when you see them again that pop or that reaction is not going to be as big you know during the main event when they come out because you already did that early in the night so you know if i'm on if i'm a talent and and i'm in, in a main event um position on the card i think i'd want to go early in the show because this show not as much but in previous shows where it's you're at like the four and the five and the six hour mark, like who, like the audience is so drained. Uh, you know, I think you know we always call Brock Lesnar the smartest man in wrestling. Like, you know, he he comes some some of his matches where he he's like coming out first, and you're like, wow, why is Brock coming out first? It's because he gets the big reaction because people are so excited at the start of the show, and then by the end of the show they're not as they're not as fired up. Um, and and I wonder if that becomes a thing on uh on some of these really long shows where the smart guys are like i'm not going to be stuck at you know at the five and a half hour mark where the fans are just like so burnt out that you know i don't get a reaction and, and they're only anticipating the finish so they can get up out of there i do wonder if that becomes a thing on some of these longer shows uh, i think the only guy that can pretty dictate that is probably brock lesnar which he which I think he smartly did at WrestleMania, you know, open the show and by you know, he was home by the time that show ended probably, you know. <laughs> so Charlotte, who is uh wrestling out of her hometown, faces Bailey, who's in this sort of in the middle of being a baby face and a heel, and I think she's really trying to find her stride as far as what that character needs to be. I think she, uh, this is just my opinion, uh, not, no insight whatsoever, but I think what happens is, is, you know, I think it's natural when you turn heel and then all of a sudden the crowd gets behind you. You sort of feel good about your character, but it also makes you kind of wonder, okay, do I have to do 
dastardly heel stuff? Do I have to do chicken shit heel stuff? Do I act just like a baby face and still soak up these cheers? Like, how do I perform in this character? And I, and I don't think she's figured it out yet. But at the same time, the crowd is responding to her way more than they have in a very long time. So I think that's a positive. But I do think to some extent she's trying to figure out exactly how she's going to go about, you know, performing the the way that that uh, that her character needs. Uh, Charlotte is also in this weird spot because she's turned so much that she is now technically a baby face, but she is not a smiling baby face. She is not a handshaking baby face. She is not a playing to the crowd baby face. She's very stoic and she's tries to keep her sort of ass kicker persona. And so she was, it was almost like we had two in between, uh, in betweeners uh, facing off against each other. And I think that probably hurt a little bit. Yeah. And plus I think, you know, I think they're going all wrong with Bailey as a heel. I think you have to, I think she's, the character they want to tell is that she's still her and she still is loving, but she doesn't see like that she did something wrong. She just she just believes that you know she was standing by her friend. I don't think that's the way to go. I think you have to change her music, take down those blowing, you know, people you know that she comes out to. Um, she's a stop high fiving little kids, and because that just confuses the audience. You know, just go heel, change it up, change her look up, do something different with her. Um, and Charlotte, I think Charlotte has that person persona that she's trying to elude is like, like her dad, right? She's the, the best of the best of the women, and you know it doesn't matter he or babyface. She's just she's just the best, and everything revolves around her. Um, I think that's what hurt this match. Like off the bat, I don't think people knew who to cheer for. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're kind of, you know, because like you said, she came, you know, Bailey came out high fiving kids. Like maybe she's not that bad of a person, right? Mm-hmm. So it, this match was a little disappointing, but I I understand what they're probably trying to do. I, I think they're probably going to set up either Charlotte winning on the first SmackDown episode. I know they're going to do a major title change on the on the, on the SmackDown episode. It's either going to be the WWE Championship or it's going to be this SmackDown Women's Championship on the on the first Big Fox show. So the I thought the beginning of this match was like the best part. Because, you know, the, a lot of times, you know, they do this really, like, slow beginning. But here, like, match started, bell rang, Charlotte, boom, big boot, quick two count. Like, that was my favorite part of the match. And then they went into having a match and, you know, Bailey being the now heel as Charlotte is uh, is trying to get to her while she is in the corner and on the ropes. The referee is pushing Charlotte away. She unhooks the bottom a turnbuckle pad and then Charlotte finally pushes the referee out of the way and she like face plants her on the bottom turnbuckle and it looks like Charlotte may have even actually hit her nose a little hmm. bit uh, by the end of the match but um, less than four minutes and you know we always talk about how WWE you know the 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 wrestlers in their hometown they kind of get jacked and this was another one of those yeah I think the match story is basically Charlotte's far superior and she was dominating. She was dominating the whole match. And then Bailey just, you know, snuck out of victory with some, some dirty tactics. But I thought that finish was creative how they pulled it off. I just think, you know, I just think the the this, the the confusion around Bailey's heel turn just kind of hurt a little bit. But you know, there's more to come to the story, obviously. And like I said, I think it's I think it's gonna end or at least peak with um, Charlotte winning the championship 
at the at the first Big Fox show. So the next pay per view is uh, October. I think is it the first Sunday after the Fox show? October sixth, my wife's birthday. So, um, <laughs> so I'm not watching it that night. <laughs> so the Fox show though is uh, so WWE on Fox. Let's make sure I have the right date. Is that October fourth? Uh, fourth. Okay, so then. If the show's on the 6th, then it is two days later. So uh, the next pay-per-view, while it's only three weeks uh, after this show, at least they'll get whatever boom they get out of the uh, out of the Fox show. So they're going to have to push that, net- that network and the Hell in the Cell show pretty hard um, to, uh, to to maximize, you know, the new eyeballs. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure you're going you to get a lot of the network plugs on that show and hell in the cell plugs for sure definitely okay so revival and new day i like the revival a lot i think they are they are really fun heels almost to the point of where they're baby faces because they're so good at being heels but they stay on that uh, on the heel stuff they are they cheat they manipulate the referee and a new day is basically on the flip side of that, where they are a very stale act, and um, I, I don't know how you I don't know how you freshen up with this uh, with with the new day, except for you know one of the three guys you know turning at some point. But um, one team looked like they were uh, you know kind of I, I don't even know how to say it, but one team looked like they were kind of you know on all cylinders, and the other team looked like eh. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of these guys at some point. So uh, the way that this match goes is um, they, Woods' knee is all messed up, and he's wearing this heavy, heavy brace. And so that's the target, right? That's, that's what the heels are going to work on is that knee. Um, there were some interesting, like, decisions on bumps. Like, Big E, uh, he, he basically uh, took some sort of, like, fall he just like fell right on his back from the apron to the floor and he's such a big dude so you hear that big thump um there was another time where he was on the outside and they gave him the shatter machine and that actually knocked him out of the match entirely and so when the when the heels had the two on one uh they they hit the shatter machine on woods and instead of just pinning him they wanted to damage his knee more so they did that like reverse or inverted figure four and then woods finally taps out so that's how they win the match so they look super impressive and new day looks kind of like uh i don't know a a an, an influx babyface team we'll, we'll see what happens with them but pretty dominant victory by the revival i liked it but uh didn't didn't necessarily see it coming in in the way that it happened. I like this match a lot actually. I thought this one this was one of my favorite matches of the night. Um, you know, I always like to watch Revival and and when they're given the chance to have like a really good wrestling attack team wrestling match, you know, they always deliver. Um, I like the story they told. Um, I like the I like the I like the finish. At first, I was kind of like like kind of like huh, but then like I realized you know they're you know. They're heating these guys up. They're going to take out Xavier Woods' knee, and and I thought that was pretty cool. So I don't know if Xavier Woods is going to be out for a while. They're going to do that, you know, play that game. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully they maximize this, and he's not going to wrestle the next Tuesday, right, on SmackDown. Um, yeah, I thought it was good, and yeah, Biggie took that big schoolboy bump off the apron. You know, when uh, when uh, when uh, was it uh, Dash? 
Josh Josh clotheslined him off the off that apron, took that big schoolboy bump. That was that was nuts. And then he took the you know the shatter sheet on the floor, which is which is a cool spot. You know, I, I you know, I thought that was really good. And then there was an interview with uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and the the whole reason for the interview was really to kind of get the um, the uh, the twenty four seven thing over to to just to let the crowds know, like, okay, we're gonna do something with with this twenty four seven title. So our truth basically is holding uh, holding the mic, a second mic above Alexa and it kind of like knocks into the picture and they're like, and I think you first, you were like, whoops, like you thought it was like mm-hmm. a, a mistake, but actually it was a, uh, it was a, a setup spot. to yeah. get our truth and Carmela into the shot so that, uh, our truth basically calls Alexa second Carmela and he wanted to give her an extra microphone because she has a beautiful voice and, and he wants her interview to get over and she double crossed him because she's a heel, and she was like, "Hey, everybody! If you want to win the twenty four seven championship, our truth is right here backstage with us. Go find a referee." And it made me think, like, aren't we supposed? To, aren't they supposed to be watching as well? Like the like the goofballs who are who are interested in the twenty four seven isn't part of them knowing where to find guys to be watching the TV shows when they've already know where our truth was. But uh, but that but that caused everyone to uh, to chase him, and Drake Maverick was out of breath, and um and he was he was uh, I I don't I don't really follow that storyline because I'm not watching Raw consistently, but I guess they're still doing the thing with the honeymoon and the wife or something or whatever or whatever it is. But he was out of breath, and so when this match with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross against Fire and Desire, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, when the match started, they kind of, you know, kind of slow getting to it. And then, of course, the 24-7 stuff happens in the middle of the ring, but nothing really happened. They just chased our truth and uh, Alexa Bliss uh, tried for a, a schoolboy in a pin and he kicked out and then nothing happened. Like, I don't think there was a, tur- a, a, a title change for the 24-7 throughout this whole show, right? That was the only thing. That was the only thing, and you know this is the perfect match to do this kind of goofiness. And you know, it was the you know if you're gonna do this kind of goofiness with the 24/7 title in a match within a match, this is definitely the one to pick because it was the least anticipated of most probably all the matches on the card. And uh, the crowd was actually into this tag match. They were actually into the, and um, it was it was okay. It was it wasn't that horrible. It wasn't uh, actually they did all right. And I thought Nikki Cross kind of held everything together. So she wins the match pretty much by herself because uh, Bliss is 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 out of there. She uses that spinning neck breaker thing where she puts the uh, the person um, horizontal to to the apron on the on the top rope, kind of like how Randy Orton's uh, draping DDT works. But she she uses their feet on the top rope and she hits that spinning neck neck breaker on Mandy that Rose was, to win. That was clean. That looked good. Yeah, um, I. I don't know, like, you know, you and I were talking about Mandy Rose, you know, back, you know, in February saying, you know, she's got the goods as far as she's got the look, she's very athletic, and it's just going to take time for her as a wrestler to sort of build up and and be one of the top women. But I almost feel like that was her apex in February when she was, I think they had her against Asuka, um, or maybe that was WrestleMania, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but 
not to say that she's like gotten worse, but she's definitely on the treadmill right now. And I don't, I don't know why she's not better. And I don't know why she's not pushed stronger uh, in, in, in the women's division right now. Just not, just not in the cards right now for her. And yeah, I mean, I don't, she didn't look that bad, but yeah, I think right now, because they just continue to focus on the same, you know, it was all about Ronda Rousey, Becky, and Charlotte, and Sasha, and all them last year, or, you know, all the, the usual suspects, right? So, you know, even like Asuka's not even around, you know, yeah. or Kyrie, you know, where are those girls to add some different flavor to it? But they're kind of always stuck in the middle, which is unfortunate, you know, but you know, I think in time, Mandy will get, get better. She definitely doesn't seem as hesitant as she you know used to be so she's definitely getting she's definitely getting better so the miz and uh nakamura were next Sami Zayn comes out wearing the neck brace because he's got to sell the thing with the undertaker he didn't really sell it that well as far as being injured but it was like a prop you know bobby heenan wore the neck brace jim Cornette wore the neck brace like that's a that's a manager's thing and um he came out and he tried to cut like that money heel manager promo. I didn't like it, but uh, what I did like is when he had the mic, the live mic, and he was like throwing barbs at the Miz. He called him the the king of uh, what do you call him? The king of soft style. Is that yeah. what he called him? Yeah. <laughs> like stuff like that. That was pretty funny. And uh, Miz uh, definitely played into that because he was like doing like these weird moves that wouldn't hurt anybody, like these running like flying knees where he would tap Nakamura in the chest, and I'm like, how is this supposed to hurt again? Um, and uh, and you know Nakamura's playing heel, but he's also you know he knows the game, right? He's like, okay, we're in the middle of the card, like no big deal. We're just kind of revving up to the next match which is going to be the women's title so you know i don't need to work my ass off here nakamura and randy orton are kind of on the same level these days with me like i i i get the smartness of their work but i also want like i'm also like i I, i'm on to you guys like i know you guys are kind of sitting in second and third gear because of, of what's going on but um but anyway so the miz as a babyface is totally miscast um, and he plays a very dumb baby face because he gets some offense. Um, he gets Nakamura in the figure four, which you knew couldn't be the finish because the Revival just won a match with the figure four. They're not going to do the same finish. Uh, Nakamura grabs ropes. Miz hits the skull crushing finale, though Nakamura was near the ropes. Zayn interferes. Miz chases him all around the ring, which leads him to uh, to eat a Nakamura kick and then a Kinshasa when he's back in the ring. Nakamura retains. I, I I'm just like okay, that was a match for the sake of a match. The Miz is no going nowhere as a babyface. Nakamura is, you know, he's he's doing what he's doing, but he's not hot in any way. Um, fine, but I would have rather seen this on SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, it was an okay match. I did like the stuff that Sami Zayn was. I was kind of confused because all of a sudden, in the middle of his like promo on the outside, as he's talking trash to Miz, like they cut his mic off, and no one says who cut it off. It's no like... one says who cuts it off. It's it's it, you know got a reaction, but like but then Miz jumped out of the ring, took the mic, and threw it up the rampway. Yeah, like if I was you know. That's what he should have done he before it got cut exactly. off. Exactly, it would have been a, bit, a bigger, bigger reaction. He he just took that out of his hands and threw it threw it away. Um, I thought the match was was actually picked up nicely. I thought you know it was actually surprising me a little bit. 
Uh, I know Miz too as Bayface. I just not with it. I think he's just a natural heel. Uh, Shinsuke, you know, he's good, he's hitting everything clean. He's he's he, you know, you know the crowd was into it though. I mean, they definitely they weren't going super crazy, but they were into they were into the um, the finish and everything. I thought it was kind of funny because uh, Sami Zayn's like neck brace kind of like breaks off and he has to hold it there <laughs> to make sure it doesn't fall off. That was pretty funny. Okay, so we're about the half point of this show. What are you thinking about the match order at this point? Mm, match order is fine. I expect the like I said, the tag title to open it up. Um, I'm okay with Charlotte and Bailey being away from you know you don't want to sandwich it with next to you know uh, Becky and, and Sasha. So so far so good. I'm a little worried that I think Roman. I think Roman and um, Rowan, God, it's going to be fun to say later, mm-hmm. um, should have been lot, probably a little earlier. And I don't know what to put between there. Maybe I would have put this the girls' tag match between like the WWE title and then the, the Universal title just to kind of like get a little break there or something. But, you know, I, yeah, because like, you know, because we, like we'll see, you know, we had a, we had a, a brawl with, a wild brawl with Becky and Sasha, and then we had another wild brawl with Rowan and Reigns. So Sasha and Becky is next. The, the, so the, basically at this point, there are four matches left, and all four of these matches go long. So, you know, the, the, there was previously, I think, six or seven matches before, but, you know, they, they, they were... They were less. So let me let me see. One, two, three, four. Okay, five matches plus the pre-show. So four matches left. These matches are a little bit longer. At this point, I think Sasha and Becky was a little bit more uh had a little bit more heat with the fans as far as what they wanted to see than both Orton and Kingston and Reigns and Rowan. I think Braun and Seth probably did have to go on last because they opened the show. But this, I thought, was like maybe the hottest thing on the show. And I've been really hard on Becky. Um, But Sasha brought everything to the table in this match. And she looked like she was out there to prove something. I thought they had a hot match. I didn't necessarily love the finish. But it's obvious that they're building to the Hell in the Cell. And I think, you know, to continue the the feud, it's fine. I don't know about, you know, the referee getting knocked out. And then as he's unconscious, he is somehow uh, calling for the disqualification. At least that's how it seemed on TV. But God, there was like real, there was a real something in this match. And I feel like putting it here, it, uh, it kind of got the crowd super hot. And then the next two matches may have suffered because of it. But I really liked what they did here. Uh, that you know, there was uh, Sasha, obviously her favorite uh, wrestler, Eddie Guerrero, and she did the little spot with the chairs and to kind of fool the ref so that she could pop the chair and, and, and nail Sasha. Then Sasha, you know, wants to swing the chair and hit. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, Becky wants to hit, the, hit Sasha with the chair, and then Sasha moves and hits the ref, and so stuff like that. And that gets a DQ, and then they brawl, you know, all over the building. But like to me, save for the main event, this is like the best thing on the show. Yeah, I mean, this is the probably by the crowd reaction the one they were waiting for the most. Um, but I still think you put Seth and Braun last because 
Um, you know, they you know they wrestled earlier. Yeah, you know, definitely. Braun needs some time to recover for sure. You know that poor. I and mean, he's a big guy. You know, going full speed. Uh, he definitely needs some time between matches. You know, for working multiple multiple matches in the night. Um, I thought this match was great. I really enjoyed it. I liked their intensity. I, I thought they hated each other. I loved the. I actually loved the finish. Um, it's okay to have a ref bump if you just do it once a show or once. Mm-hmm. Every, you know they don't do it a lot. Actually, they, when's the last time? I don't, I don't remember the last time I seen a ref bump. I mean, I, you know, I don't watch, of course, Rod smacked on a regular basis, but it seems like I don't remember them doing a ref bump in a while. So, you know, it meant something here. I think they kind of maybe executed the whole like announcement of the the result. I think they could have had another ref come out, check on the referee that was down, and he makes a decision, right? Yeah, they at least showed that shot. I think they they missed it, but like I like the brawl, the like up the up the aisleway. Um, just uh, that stuff was really good and, and um, captured well by the cameras. Um, the the backstage stuff was, you know, looked good. I mean, I'm sure there were plants there, you know, because <laughs> I think you know people would have gone nuts if it was like regular fans, you know, when they're brawling all around. But you know, yeah, it looked yeah. good though. It just looked good, and then. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it, and it just build too hell in a cell between these two, and mm-hmm. that's okay. You know, that's that's, that's good. Uh, there was a I don't remember when uh, when the Street Profits came in. I don't know if it was after this match or the Kingston match. I, I don't exactly remember, but the Street Profits were talking, and then out came King Booker, and and they did a little you know little fun thing. But I made a comment to you if you knew who Jesus and Mero were, because Jesus and Mero are kind of like the, uh, you know, we have all these talk shows, political talk shows, where they talk about sort of the news, and, you know, they talk about things that are going on in politics and and sports and and different different things. And Jesus and Mero are that version, but just in a more sort of like hip sense. And they do a talk show that is, is very entertaining, they're they're out of New York, and I watched the Street Profits, and it hit me at this moment. Paul Heyman or whoever is watching Jesus and Meryl because that's who the Street Profits are. So, if uh, if anyone has figured this out before me, kudos to you. I, it just hit me today. I, I posted it on Twitter, and I'm getting a lot of people going like, you know what? Like I sort of thought that, and and tonight was kind of the night where I really thought that that was the thing. So. If you thought that, and uh, I think we all sort of figured something out tonight, but uh, those dudes are doing Jesus and Marrow, and I'm entertained by them. I, I don't know if they're necessarily funny or not, but I, I like the shtick, and I think we need more of that stuff on TV to just kind of break up these long matches, because these last four matches were long, and stuff like that I think is, is really good television uh, and and I'm I'm entertained in it because it just changes the pace and it's like oh I can see something lighthearted after going through this you know through these long matches so anyway Randy Orton Kofi Kingston I think you'd like this better than I do and this is me coming off of being on Wrestling Observer Radio saying that I'm almost sure I'm voting for Randy Orton in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame this year Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston. So far, I think has been maybe in a under under average feud, and I think the two styles are a little bit offsetting. Randy is working a very deliberate style, slow, 
you know, the Chris Jericho idea of, you know, if you think you're you're working slow, go slower. And in this instance, I think it works against Kofi because then he's got to sell and sell and sell. And really what he's good at is hitting his high spots and then going home. Like, I think that those are his strengths. Um, I don't think selling is necessarily his strength, at least right now. And so what you had was Orton getting a lot of offense, which kind of teased how this thing was going to end, especially as it got, you know, to, I don't know how long this match was, but I think there were points where I was like, I wish Kofi would actually do more offense because now it seems like Orton's going to lose. But, um, yeah, it was just very deliberate. You know, Orton hit a couple of, like, his dropkick was so awesome. The the power slam was awesome. The RKO was awesome. But everything else was him just being so deliberate. The Viper, so slow. And I think it just played maybe into his strengths, but not into Kofi's strengths. And um, I didn't like the match necessarily. I thought the work was good, but I just could not get into the whole thing. And by the time that it ended and Kofi's, you know, smiling and he, he made the comeback and he's so fired up. The crowd was like, okay, move on. We need to, we need to get through this. They didn't react the way that I think that, you know, the, the WWE thought they were going to. Well, you mean you got a, <laughs> uh, you got like a cold champion, you know, who's, who peaked at WrestleMania with winning the championship. We talk about this. We've been talking about this for months now. They need to take the belt off him. Yep. Uh, he's a, a, a talented guy who's a mid-card gimmick, you know, mid-card babyface at best. You know, like, I don't think you can go on Big Fox and some guys tune in to watch professional wrestling because they haven't watched it for a long, long time and see a guy with the belt throwing pancakes around. I just think I think it's it's like, I think it's ridiculous. Um, no, you know, the crowd is, you know, they're they're beyond this, right? They're beyond Kofi and this run. I get why they had Kofi win because they're trying to complete the story of years gone by when, you know, Randy quote unquote held him down and he's overcome that and beat randy orton now them starting slow i get it i mean they just had a match before that they brawled all around the building the crowd was super hot for it the best thing to do is start slow and build this was a really good pro wrestling match it just unfortunately was with a champion that no one really cares about anymore uh, i thought orton was fantastic you know he's just he's just he's just just, just really damn good. He does all the small things when he sells and he registers. I mean, just that finish alone, how he sold that, um, how they sold that, the, the trouble in paradise, mm-hmm. just like was so fucking awesome. And there's a moment too, I think after the dive out when Kofi did that crazy like stage, you know, dive. dive oh yeah, out. he he got up on that dive. Oh man, I don't think a lot of people will even notice this. But like I did, like when he picked, I like that he picked up Randy right away to throw him back in to get like, to get the pin. But like when he picks up Randy and Randy gets, he throws Randy, Randy does that little stumble mm-hmm. before, he just, just just go in like fucking jabronis on the indies. Yeah. Like he stumbles and sells and, and then goes in and it was like, it was so quick, but so believable. Um, like it's just unfortunately like, okay, now take this match. Put Daniel Bryan as a babyface versus Randy Orton's match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's a it's an extra two stars. It's just it's just better because Bryan is over, 
and Kofi is not. I mean, I I don't, I can tell by the reaction. No one really cares about the SmackDown title. I think it would have been benefit to have Randy win the title here. I like the the group that they have formed with uh, him and Revival. What is it? Uh, F T R K O. Yeah, I mean they have no, they have they have they have gimmicks now with you know their their graphic. I think you know that's a good heel trio that they could go with on SmackDown. Um. Or maybe maybe Randy's moving to Raw. Who knows? You know what's going on with that. I think they want Randy on SmackDown, though. I I I believe so. But by yeah. by 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 the way, news of the day: WWE is doing a draft on the second SmackDown. <laughs> as if I didn't read that in the Observer like three weeks ago. Yeah, that's old news. But yeah, like, like like if people didn't know, like of course they're going to do a draft to shake things up, right? I mean, the- I, I I'm just I'm just messing around because. I just I found the a couple of tweets kind of kind of humorous and then you know I, people some people agreed with me some people thought I was it was much ado about nothing but uh, I you know that's fun conversation. Well, uh, it's not the worst tweet. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right, so um, King Kofi Kofi wins. He is still the champion. Um, I, you know I give him credit for trying his ass off because I know he is and it's just not working and that's got to be a frustrating place to be not frustrating to be the champ because you know the company believes in you in, in, in at least some way and I think there's something to him being the champion after being there for a long time and dealing with a lot of perseverance but I mean the bottom line is like he's not improving the business in any way He's not, you know, he's not having the best matches. He's not getting the best fan reaction. And so at this point now, it just seems like WWE is stubborn. It's like they're they're sticking to their plan and going like, well, f you guys. Like we we're gonna keep him, you know, champion until you know until whenever we want. I, but I, I just think they had a story to tell and they wanted to finish it. But and by no means, I'm, the crowd was not just dead silent the whole match. Like they got into it towards definitely towards the end. It's just, you know, it's just just this whole Kofi as champion. It's just, it's been long over now. So Roman and Rowan was next. And after watching uh, Becky and Sasha do their thing, this was a little bit of a repeat because it was a no DQ. The uh, The first half of the match, they were doing a lot of stuff with the steel steps. Um, and then when they finally started to, to go down the ramp, there was a lot of a, a lot of stuff, you know, fighting in the, you know, fighting on the ramp and and just not being in the ring. And they were doing a lot of stuff with that jib cam from uh, playing off of the angle from SmackDown. And as Roman is setting up for this, like, long spear, he's going to, like, take off and run. Uh, Luke Harper is there and interferes. And then they double-team Ro- they double team Roman. And uh, Roman has this new uh, claw. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if it's new. I just, I, I just thought it was new maybe because of uh, the G1. But Lan- uh, the Lance Archer claw... And he basically claws Roman, and he does like a choke slam off of the claw, and uh, pins him. And and so they double team the, the the heels, beat up Roman. Uh, I thought they, I thought that Roman specifically worked really hard. Like he got tossed in in, in all over the place, um, and I thought Rowan was really good in his role. But the match was a little bit anticlimactic after the Sasha and uh, and uh, Becky match. Yeah, I, again, I thought this was a good match. Um, I think it's kind of the same issue with um, Kofi and Orton, where Rowan hasn't really been put ever in a singles, you know, big main event position. 
So the crowd's not really like, you know, behind it as this like big threat because they've been used to him, you know, up and down many different gimmicks. So, but I would say that I really like this incarnation of Rowan. I think it's he's he's. I was impressed with him in this match because it was a long match and he hung with Reigns and Reigns is really good. Um, Reigns gave him a lot. They definitely, you know, were really getting him over strong. Um, the difference between this match and the Becky and Sasha match, they, this match they had weapons, right? Um, I like the weapons they used. I just didn't like the, the kendo stick. I just don't understand why there's kendo sticks just regularly available <laughs> in pro wrestling matches. Like, what ring crew member needs the kendo stick to put this ring together what production guy needs these kendo sticks it's just so stupid like i hate the freaking kendo stick that this that this shit needs to, to stop this this is my contribution to the wb writing team if i ever get on it one day i'm gonna say let's just stop the kendo sticks if i can get that win i'd be happy tommy uh, tommy dreamer fuck that guy i mean you know <laughs> like Hey, I am in a fantasy football league with Tommy Dreamer right now. Awesome. Um, <laughs> does he have any disregard for the rules and uh, the referee? And uh, the most insincere awesome I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, I would just like you know, but I, you know, like I said, I was impressed. I really liked this match because I, I was really, I was really happy for Rowan. That this is a big match for him. I think he he did really well, and I like the Harper. Um, surprise, which is really cool. Good to see Harper again. Um, they're great together. And if you remember, I mean, it's been a while. And when Harper got hurt, right before they got hurt, the Bludgeon Brothers were getting a freaking strong, strong push. Oh yeah, remember they were like destroying the New Day. Like New Day was getting nothing on these guys, right? And they were just killing them. So I think this is a good thing. Rowan is a decent talker, which surprised me. I watched SmackDown. And I really enjoyed their brawl they had on SmackDown, him and Reigns, and his his promo stuff. So that's really cool. I think, I'm guessing, either Daniel comes back as a babyface and teams with Roman against these two guys. Or maybe it's a swerve and and Daniel, you know, actually probably befriends Roman, but then ends up turning on him too or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a Hell in a Cell match, you know. But I, I... I don't think so. I think we know the two Hell in a Cell matches are going to be, but uh, but you know something like that. I think I could see like a Ole Anderson Dusty Rhodes turn. You know, like just just you know Reigns and Bryan versus the Bludgeon Brothers or whatever we call it now. And it'd then, be a great match. Yeah, yeah. Or and then or Bryan just turns on Reigns. They all beat the shit out of him. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's just it's, a, it's just unfortunate that you know it's 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 one of those things like you got to get Rowan over and. I think he did well, and he looked he looked good. So I'm, I was I was happy for it. And then finally, is Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins. And I tweeted right before this match started. I said, "I pray to the baby Jesus <laughs> that this is like an eight minute sprint, fast break kind of match." And then you know the fiend can come in after, and not like this twenty minute like long match because I don't you know Braun Strowman obviously is not the the greatest worker in that style of match, but for you know for a quick you know hard hitting fast match, I think he he can be really good. And we got you know the 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 sprint in a sense, and um, started hot. You know Seth is doing you know the quick hitting stuff and cat and mouse, and then Braun catches him, and then Braun starts doing power stuff and throwing Seth around. And I really liked it, and I thought it was really good. And then 
they fight to the outside. Seth is uh, Seth for you know for some reason tries to superplex him in the ring. Instead, Strowman pushes him off to set up this this big splash from Strowman uh, onto Seth from the top rope, and the big guy almost like loses balance and falls. Like that was pretty scary because he's a big dude. Uh, and then uh, he he hits the splash, but in hitting the splash, he hurts his knee. I think earlier in the match. Um, Seth had done like a, like Braun did the the thing where he runs around the ring and then he does like that shoulder tackle and then he tried to do it a second time and Seth Seth like ducked down or did a drop toe hold or something and then sent Braun into this into the uh, announcer's table so he bangs his knee on the announcer's table so he does the big splash hurts his knee and then that allows Seth to uh, to take advantage of it and then he puts a sleeper on Braun uh, Braun fights out of that. Seth hits a curb stomp. Braun kicks out at one. So Seth's Seth's finisher, Braun's kicking out at one. Does a second curb stomp. Braun kicks out at two. Does a third curb stomp. Braun does my biggest pet peeve in wrestling where he his eyeballs look right at the referee. So I'm like, oh, he's kicking out. Kicks out. And then he does it a fourth time. And you called this one where... He does it a fourth time, and instead Braun picks him up for that power slam, but then he sells his knee again. That allows Seth to hit a pedigree and another curb stomp, and he wins the match. I like, I mean, this is not a five-star match in any way, but I really, really like the way that they that they put this whole thing together. Well, if we're giving star ratings, I'm definitely I'm going four and a quarter at least. I thought they did really well. I love this match. Um, I It was... A lot of fun. And I remember last our last show we talked about like what match I'm looking forward to the most, and this was the match because I'm always interested in seeing like people of various different styles competing against each other and see what they can come up with. And you know they put their heads together. The agent of the match put his stuff in. Paul Heyman had his specific finish, and they all came together and it made a really fun, fun, great match. And um, you know, they, I mean, the, the crowd again just saw a crazy brawl all around the building with tables and all that stuff. So they had to work fast and get them into. It. They're going to work fast anyways because, because you know, Braun's not going to go out there and do like the slow building, you know, twenty-five minute, thirty-minute match. So uh, yeah, this was this was really good. Uh, that, that splash of the top rope on Braun. I know he's done it before. I'm pretty sure he did it with Brock. I want to say. Um, I know he's done it before, but it just like he hasn't done it. He rarely does it. So like. When he got there, I almost I was like, "Wow, man!" He just and then he got a little stumble, like added some danger to it. And mm-hmm. when he hit it, he hit sold the knee. That was so freaking cool, and it played into the finish. I I, I love this match. And it was funny, like we talked about it, like right after it was over. You know, you know, like we did the the observer, right? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle, and yeah. and, and mine was thumbs in the middle. But then I was like driving home. I kind of think about like I kind of like enjoyed the last four matches. I you know I I for what you know for I enjoyed I enjoyed them. I actually enjoyed them a lot, and I enjoyed the tag title match with the revival and um, the new day. So I mean I'm kind of like I'm kind of slightly thumbs up or thumbs up on this now. So if I so basically after this match, Seth celebrates and the Fiend attacks him to set up their Hell in the Cell. I think we we've known that the Fiend was going to get the next shot for a while. Um, there may have been advertising or whatever, so, you know. But 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 we found out. But if I look at the like if I if I look at this mat the show, 
as a uh, you know you split it in halves, and and I mentioned the first five matches are about the is, is the first half. The only match I liked in the first half was the revival of the New Day. Seth and Braun and Dolph and Bobby Roode was just average. It was just a story. It wasn't even really a match. Charlotte and Bailey, I didn't like at all. Revival and New Day, thought was super fun, mostly because of the revival. The the women's tag team title match, kind of boring. And The Miz and Nakamura, I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to grade on a curve. Like, it was fine for what it was, but it was not a pay-per-view match. Now, if you look at the last four matches, Sasha and Becky, I liked, and Braun and Seth, I liked. Roman and, and Rowan was was fine for the story they're trying to tell, and Kofi and Randy was okay for the story they're trying to tell, but I was actually disappointed in both matches for what I wanted out of those matches, so maybe some of this is just my expectation, but on a show where three out of the nine matches I thought were good, I can't, I can't give a thumbs up to a show like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like I said, we, we have a little bit of different thoughts. Like you like the Orton and Kingston match more than I did, and, and that's totally fine. But, you know, but that's, you know, that's why we, we, you know, we don't always have to agree on stuff. Can we get Orton versus Walter? <laughs> I would love to see that match. Just throwing it out there. Randy's taking those chops? Yeah, he's the man. I feel like I feel like Randy will take a couple of those chops. I uh, mean, you know, but <laughs> they work. They work so well, and they'll they'll build up to it. Um, but you know, I, and I like the angle too with the uh, the fiend as well. I thought that was really cool. I'm just like, okay, how do you book this guy? <laughs> well, I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, about who he could become, and we both said, you know, like, you know, maybe he's the new Undertaker. Maybe his character replaces that Undertaker character. And then they put him in a title match, and he's only really had one match on on uh, on a pay per view before. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little worried about them rushing this. I think they're I think they they should have he could have been here and there till Royal Rumble, and then maybe he wins the title, and then you set something up, you know, with the. I mean, I guess they probably want to do. I have a feeling they want to do Fiend and Undertaker at WrestleMania, but. So does that does that mean the Undertaker could interfere somehow in this match? That's our our buddy Jeremy from mm-hmm. uh, from from our page. Uh, he he suggested that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. It's a good idea. Um, I I liked it. You know who's uh, who's I think is a like, is over and I just haven't put the belt on him to see or at least is is Braun right? Like mm-hmm. I was thinking like what if the, like Braun had this like injury and he was taken out by the fiend and was gone for a long time and, and he won the rumble you know to face the fiend at wrestlemania or something like that i think that would be good you I know think, who i want I've i know you, told want, you who I want yeah you i want, want, I want ba- baby face brock lesnar yeah that's a good one too you know that's a good one too so and roman too would be good but i just don't i mean i just the fa- the, the fans would kind of groan at that one at this point how they they've seemed to be off that with roman now so but still, you know, Roman at WrestleMania again. You know what I mean? I think it's just best to, like, him, if he was going to win the title, just win it, like, not any other event but WrestleMania. I'd rather I, see I, him just I like, defend I like, it in WrestleMania. Yeah. Well, I like Roman these days in WrestleMania, not in title matches, but in, like, these, like, big matches, whether it's going to be Cena, whether it's Taker, whether it's, uh, you know, Dean or Seth or whoever – 
I would rather see him not be in the title picture for for right now, just because we were hit over the head with it so much. But still, in like these these big matches, you know, if you can bring back a star, like put him at Roman, because you know, if Roman's involved, the match is gonna be good because he's so good. But put him with you know people who you know who who you can bring in for you know these just these big matches and I think he's the guy to do it with but I think he needs to be away from that title picture for at least for a little while before you put him back in there you know whether it's Drew you know him and Drew have good matches so that's kind of what I would do um so I would keep him away from the fiend um because I just feel like Vince would just be like ah you know Roman's got to beat the fiend he's gonna be the guy and it's just like then the fans be like oh why did you even build up the fiend for yeah, like I, I think you like you use them as a special attraction until like Royal Rumble time or WrestleMania season time, I guess, right? Like, like you don't book Fiend into like some huge match until you know Finn's ready to come back and you have the Fiend versus the Demon. The Fiend should win that match, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or you do, um, you know, Fiend and Goldberg, you know, at Royal Rumble or something like that. That'd be something co- cool. And you know, the Fiend and Undertaker for sure. I have a feeling it's gonna happen. Um, somewhere, and most likely WrestleMania. So maybe it's not even a long reign. Maybe something happens where he loses. I just don't want him to stick. I get pinned. Like it's such a cool gimmick. Um, he's, it's a really scary, oh my scary God. look. Like I was just thinking, like I'm starting to slowly let my kids watch pro wrestling. Um, you know, Hunter, my one year old, watched Blood Sport with me, <laughs> and Chloe was watching Blood Sport too. She watched uh, um, Jr's match. So. Um, but like I was thinking, like man, I can't have Raw on, right, with the Fiend running around because yeah. that's just very, very creepy. And also the uh, the Firehouse, the Firefly Funhouse is also very disturbing. I can see my kids both looking up, like, oh, this looks kind of cool. And then mm-hmm. you know, there's like demons and whatnot in it. Just, just very scary stuff. I wonder how like I gotta ask Dave Dutra because you know his his kids watch it. My my godchildren they watch it, so I wonder how they react to the Fiend. Well, you know, my uh, my youngest, who is now in college, by the way, I want to say it was like seven or eight years old, and we were at a Mer- uh, maybe a Marie Callender's or something, and I was like, all right, so we're going to get pie. Um, the waitress hmm. comes over. It's like, what, what pie do you guys want? So, you know, I ordered my pie, and I asked, you know, J- young JJ, and he was like, Poontang pie? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah don't don't ask me for advice because i obviously failed (laughs) at that moment um okay so you mentioned Bloodsport. let's quickly go over this show so shout out to our buddy uh, brady childs because he's the one who he did the uh, the play-by-play on on the website for the show he did a really good job uh he went through all he had you know he covered all the matches and i was reading his his uh his play-by-play and i was like man i really wanted to watch this show uh unfortunately uh you know there was so much going on on saturday i didn't get to watch it but you were able to watch it it was only 20 bucks so good bargain to to watch uh a two and a half hour show or whatever it was overall thoughts and uh what do you think about the promotion overall uh, i love bus sport and I, i'm definitely gonna watch every show they put on um, um this show was really good a lot better than i think throughout the whole like card throughout was a lot better than wrestlemania weekend um, just because like we didn't have like the atrocious Phil Baroni fight on there, mm-hmm. you know, even though the rest after the Phil Baroni fight, um, the rest awesome. of the card was really, really good. So, um, um, 
you know, I was kind of on the fence a little bit because I'm like, do I want to get it? Because it wasn't the price point. The price point is really good. 20 bucks. I mean, that's a good deal. Um, but I don't really order anything off Fight TV, right? And, and to my surprise, that the replay was up very really quickly. I, I watched the first two matches live, had dinner with my family, and it came back. And I was like, okay, let's, let's see if I can even, you know, jump in to watch this again and, or have to wait till tomorrow, which kind of irritates me. But there it was, ready to watch. So I finished the show. Um, the opener, Zach, Zachary Wentz and Anthony Henry. Um, it, was, it was like a high spot shoot style match. They, you know, they, they're out there to just get the action going. They did a lot of cool moves, a lot of cool uh, submissions and transitions, and some big suplexes. But it was still like, like more of like a work, you know, like like like. They did so many big moves that kind of like look like they're cooperating, you know, with each other, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the next match was uh, my, you know, my good friend Jr. Kratos, man. Like I and Eric Hammer, who's uh, you know someone uh, really close to Josh Barnett, and you know trained with him and all that stuff. So they came out there and like right away, like the fans, because they just saw these two smaller lightweights, right, fight. And now here they how ha- now out comes. JR and Eric Hammer, who's like they they had him at six foot five. And now they're like seeing the beef, right? And people are like right away they reacted great to these guys. And they had mm-hmm. a really good explosive match. I, I really was happy for JR. He had another I thought he hit another home run. He had a great match with uh Simon Gotch at the at the first one, or is this the third one now? Because Matt Riddle had a blood sport, right? So I guess technically this is the second one, Josh Barnett's second one. Um and so that was really, really good. Um I was bummed that JR didn't win. Um, I was like, it was like, you know, I was into it. I was like, you know, like they they got me believing. And he's you know, got an excuse though. Yeah, he just had a baby. Congratulations to him and his uh, his lady on uh, little Giselle being born. And like, yeah, and he took the red eye and went out there. And Tom Lawler, who by the way was not only fantastic on the show in the ring, but like as color commentator like to me he's locked up like wrestling server commentator of the year i mean all well, the jim Cornette, him and jim Cornette are be running are in the running but like he was fantastic explaining everything in this match you know all the holds reversals and why it's not working why it did work and it, he was just he was just fantastic and uh i watched that match with chloe and my daughter who's four and i'm like hey look it's uncle jr <laughs> and like you know jr gets locked in this like like side headlock bulldog choke kind of uh submission and i'm like oh no and chloe's like oh no and then then, then of course he tells him like ah and he just goes oh man (laughs) (laughs) and i was like see chloe sometimes he wins sometimes you know sometimes he wins sometimes he loses but he'll be back and she was like all bummed out about it but then we went to dinner came back Uh, the next next match was nicole savoy and uh was allison k uh that was that was pretty good. They did things different. They did things different. Like they used like going outside the ring. There. Now there's no ropes at Bloodsport. I've never seen Bloodsport. It's just there's no ropes. It's just like it's like like the movie Bloodsport, like the Kumite. It's like just mm-hmm. on a mat. So there'll be moments where action will spill out, and they they were the first to do that. So and it went probably in my opinion a little bit too long. I think the finish could have came about three or four minutes earlier. But you know they they did a good job. The crowd was into it. Um, after that, I believe it was uh, Tim and Minoa Man. I think it was. Um... Oh no no! It was uh, Anthony Corelli uh, and yep. um, Simon Gotch, which was yep. really good too. I mean, uh, uh, 
Anthony Corelli is a former Santino Morella. Um, he runs Battle Art School up in Canada. They do train a lot with the shoe style stuff. So and 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 you know you could just you could tell both these guys just love this style. So they were having they had a really good solid match, and the crowd really loved seeing the former Santino Morella in there. And he and 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 I'll definitely they're definitely going to have him back more. And 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 then and now it was Thatcher versus Middleman. That match was. Really good middleman. Like a lot of people, I think they respected him, but they don't know like his history of being like this smaller Japanese fighter who took on it all comers, big, small. You know, he's the you know take on the giants, and that's how he got over. Uh, Thatcher is just Thatcher, right? One of the best in the world, and he was the first one after he won to run out and celebrate like he won something big. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of people just kind of like, oh, I'm exhausted. I raised my hand. Like, no, Thatcher's like, yeah, fuck yeah, I won this match, right? So that was really cool. And then the match of the night came after that. After that was the Tom Lawler and Dave Boy Smith Jr. At the, the fucking, it was like one of my favorite matches of the year. It was really, really, really good. And but but if that, Tom was in was doing the match, who was doing the announcing for his great match <laughs> some guy who wasn't that good but i just kind of toned i just kind of tuned that guy out and uh and just concentrated on the match and it was really good there's a you know tom has so much charisma he comes out he's all fired up comes out to hanging tough which is you know tom's personality a, a jokester but like once Wait, the, bell rings, the, the new kids on the block yeah yeah you can't do it. and then people are with it all right, yeah. all right. He he's now a wrestler of the year for me. Rick Flair, uh, Rick Flair Award for a Wrestling Observer. Dude, Awards. he was freaking killed this match. This match is so much fun, and uh, they did an awesome spot. The best power slam I've ever seen. Spot ever. Basically, uh, Lawler jumps into like a guillotine, and like you know, Dave Boy struggles to get out of it into the power slam. It was wow. Just, it was just really really cool. And then the finish was a power bomb knockout. This was fucking killer. So I mean, definitely. I mean, if it surfaces on somewhere, just I mean, you know, go out of your way to watch this match. It's it's really good. It's almost worth the twenty bucks to, just to see this match. And then after that, the uh, oh God, what was the semifinal now? Jeez, it's all run. Uh, Nick Gage. I could talk uh-huh. about Nick Gage. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay, fuck. This match is. Was was good too. Cross comes out. Cross is, he has that aura, man. He just has that aura. He's a, he's a badass. Um, he should be a main villain in an action film. He'll be the next WWE uh, film villain, as I'm sure. Uh, he just and then and Gage comes out like this local hero. People, I mean, he's like he's like mosh pitting the crowd as he comes through. I mean, he's 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 over with this game changer crowd. They love this guy, right? And um, the funniest thing, like, people were tweeting out, like, I saw a bunch of people, like, show me, they, they show, like, clips, there's a gif going out of, like, Nick Gage, like, mosh pit in the crowd, and there, and like, multiple people have tweeted this, like, show me anyone's over, more over than Nick Gage, and I'm like, I'm naming, like, fucking 156 wrestlers right now <laughs> that are more over than Nick Gage, you know, I can just, you know, how about a guy like Tanahashi and Okada, who are wrestling in front of thousands weekly, not hundreds, uh, it's just absolutely freaking ridiculous, but I'm like, Man, I was just thinking, like, I hope Cross just beats this, beats this guy quickly. And sure mm-hmm. enough, they did. They booked that. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's cool to see. And the crowd, you know, g- you know, gave a lot of heat. But then they also respected Cross. So everyone got over. You know, Nick Gage not going to get hurt by doing this job in front of his crowd. Like, he knows. He just wants to get paid. You know, he had fun. His work punches sucked. Um, so it just it was, like, booked, like, it was booked correctly. It was booked like a, st- a street fighter thug mm-hmm. who would 
get in a fight with the legit, you know, MMA guy, and what would happen? The MMA guy would just choke you out, and that's what happened. And afterwards, the big reaction and the big kind of story they're trying to get out there. News. I don't know if they're going to pull this off, but you know, Killer Cross calls out Big Day Batista for a oh matchup. Bless God. And I just can't see this happening. I can't see Big Dave like Dave, Big Day Batista like working in front of a a small venue like this. Like he's used to stadiums, right? I mean, yeah, he's a Hollywood star now. If yeah, but with could, his name, they could probably do know, a bigger might, building. Yeah, yeah, they could do bigger. Yeah, building. I mean, you had along with Mox and Barnett and and cross and batista maybe they, they definitely could do a bigger building and i hope they pull it off because i want to see it yeah we, we we've seen big dave have an actual fight on pay-per-view before don't forget about that yes yes, yes we that, have. that was not that good um no so the the show was was great i, I wish i would have seen it the main um, event though you gotta talk about the main event. oh yeah, yeah uh josh barnett josh barnett and uh chris dickerson uh dickerson was the replacement for uh john moxley who has the MRSA, so he can't he couldn't compete, and I'm sure a lot of people were, you know, bummed out. And I don't know if a lot of people, you know, skipped out because of that. Now, that was that was, a, that was the big selling point, right? Mm-hmm. And Dickerson is like, you know, a, a really good indie guy. And so, I think he was on the Triple A show tonight too. Yeah, he was because you know it's all in New York, so they they used him. So that's cool. Um, but Dickerson did a hell of a job. Barnett was amazing. Like he took this guy who's you know, you know. A, a local a local guy that's you know very popular and like i mean he was like giving dickerson everything like letting dickerson get everything on him and 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 really like he was the one fighting from behind which was a nice i, I thought maybe barnett was gonna like be the big badass and guzzle him and and, and let let you know dickerson fight from behind but no it was opposite and it came up really well the finish was really good you know barnett had to pull everything out to get the win and the knockout looked great and uh just uh just a really good overall show i really i really really enjoyed it so when they do the next one i'm really interested to see i mean obviously it's a smaller promotion it's a new promotion so you know they'll they'll sort of figure out you know where they're going next how long it's going to take if they're gonna because because the last time they were at wrestlemania weekend and there was Mm -hmm. no real major show um for them to piggyback off of so i wonder what they're going to do next time but yeah i mean i like i like seeing the different promotions and uh, the, the variety of wrestling uh, I I just wish that there wasn't so much going on because mm-hmm. uh, also on Saturday night we had UFC show where Justin Gaethje knocked uh, Don Cerrone out uh, to the point of where the ref was just like I have no idea what to do here like I think Cerrone's out but he's such a tough guy I want to give him a chance and Gaethje's like I have so much respect for Cerrone I don't want to hit him again like this dude's out on his you know knees or whatever um, so that was a really exciting main event I didn't see anything else. But uh, you know, for a for a one, you know, just uh, two two great dudes, you know, having a striking battle that was fun. And then we had uh, Fury versus Va- uh, versus Wallen on uh, on ESPN Plus, and you know, this is a fight where Tyson Fury is supposed to pretty much just dominate this guy like he did Tom Schwartz a couple months ago, and instead he got a guy who was very game and who. You know, there, there's the old, um, the old Rocky One quote where uh, Apollo Creed's trainer is like, 
you know, he doesn't get it. Like he doesn't know that this is a show. He thinks it's a, you know, actually a damn fight. Hmm. And similarly here, like, you know, he, uh, Tyson Fury is just kind of, you know, cruising around and then bam, second round. Wallen hits him with this, with this, uh, this left hand. And I don't know if Tyson didn't see it coming or he was just sort of had his hands down and it just blasts him. You know, he get this thing just hits him so flush and all of a sudden you see this nasty cut and here's something really interesting and I've never seen this in boxing before. Uh, There's a guy by the name of, uh, uh, his name is Carlos Toros, I think. Uh, He writes for Fightful. And he pointed this out because, I mean, as I was watching it, I thought the same thing, but he actually pointed it out. And I think he wanted to write something about it. But anyway, so Fury's corner thinks that the cut comes from a butt rather than this punch that hits him directly in the eye. And so they're fighting the next few rounds thinking like, okay, if this gets stopped on on cut, it's a no contest, no big deal. And uh, Bob Bennett who is the uh, the Las Vegas um, commissioner, he's like uh, watching a replay. He's like, nope, that came from a punch. Yet, Fury's Corner has no idea that he's made this ruling. And I don't know if they had planned to tell them or not, but uh, the ESPN sort of sideline reporter, uh, which in boxing would, I guess, would be ringside reporter, goes to, uh, to Fury's trainer and was like, you know, do you, do you guys think that that was off of a, a butt or a punch? And the trainer's like, ah, oh, you know, I think we think it was off of a butt. Tyson was saying that, you know, the heads were getting a little close. And then he's like, well, Bob Bennett just said it was a, about a punch. And so they had to change their their strategy because now if, if the fight gets stopped on the cut, then there's a new world champion. And Tyson Fury's uh, entire style and strategy changed and for the from round six through 11 he pretty much blistered this guy uh, i think wallen won the last round and fury was getting a little little lackadaisical but you know rounds one through five fury's just kind of cruising a little bit you know he's got this blood coming out of his eye i still i know a lot of people thought that the fight was was closer than the scorecards uh, i think the scorecards were 116 112 117 113 and 118 one uh one what was it one eighteen eleven and then sorry seventeen eleven eighteen ten i thought he may have won two rounds the rounds that he knocked the crap out of him and then the last round if if you gave him another round you know one of the first four rounds uh fine but fury i thought fury dominated the fight even with the the messed up eye but it was just there was a lot of intrigue because you see that blood and there's always there's this like suspense of whether or not the referee's gonna stop it or, or the doctor really gonna stop it. And it, it kind of made Fury, you know, fight from uh from behind a little bit. You know, if you I, I, I guess maybe not behind, but just with some urgency. And he started to pick up his game and, and in, in from round six to eleven, you really saw how great he can be. And how that works against someone who's a lot better than Wallen, we'll see. He he did it once against uh, Wilder, and he's going to probably have an opportunity to do it again if Wilder beats Luis Ortiz, which he should, but Luis Ortiz is tough as nails as well. But this whole heavyweight division, your boy, Anthony Ruiz, hmm. uh, you know, he's he's 
popping off on Twitter saying, you know, that that Fury wouldn't give him any trouble or whatever he said. And then, you know, there's still Anthony Joshua. So the the division is very interesting. I don't sense that there's a killer out of either of the four, but I sense that there are four guys who all fight in different styles. They, for the most part, they are um, very marketable. They, they're marketable in different ways. You know, Wilder's just this crazed athlete who, who talks a lot of trash and Fury's like that got the gift of gab. But when you watch him inside the ring, he's so slick. Um, Anthony Joshua's just like this muscular guy who, you know, he he fights in front of 80,000 people in England and, and just has that like aura of, you know, this guy's somebody when you see him. And then Ruiz is like the, you know, the everyman fighter, which, you know, will will draw a certain fan base as well. So that heavyweight division is very interesting. And I am really interested to see what happens with Joshua and Ruiz. And, you know, that's going to be in December. And what happens with Fury and Wilder. So we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about when it comes to the heavyweight division, probably through the, uh, you know, at least the first part of next year. Yes, I mean that's uh, what's good about boxing right now for me for the heavyweight side is like there's so much variety and like you said there's no killer so like it just to me like the best is wide open right and I'm mm-hmm. looking for I'm looking for my I hope my boy Ruiz retains and I'm looking forward to future fights I think him and Fury would be fun a lot of fun actually all right so we will be back on Wednesday and you know we'll be back with our normal raw review Thursday. I know. Yeah, sorry, Thursday. I know our buddy, you know, Nick uh, Mahmoud is already asking us if we want spoilers on what's going to happen because I think he actually went to that show live and we're trying to make him, you know, hold off because we're we're trying to watch these as if we're we're watching them new, but I know he's super excited <laughs> and he's been very helpful uh answering a lot of our questions. Actually, give him a follow on Twitter uh if you are interested. His Twitter handle is uh Hayabusa H-A-Y-A-B-U-S-A-C-T. Um, and, you know, he's he's a knowledgeable, very knowledgeable wrestling fan um, and a, a big Matt Taven supporter as well. And, uh, and, yeah, so, you know, we'll be back Thursday night. We'll be talking about Raw um, from 1993. And we'll be, you know, we'll be talking about the first NXT on USA show. Like, that's what I'm super pumped about. I'll, I'll be watching that with Big Dave. So I can't wait to to dig into, you know, what that NXT show is going to be like. And uh, and then, you know, two weeks later, we'll, we'll see the AEW show competing. But, yeah, I'm pretty fired up for this for this Wednesday Night War. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to see it. All right. So uh, thanks for hanging in there with us on this uh, Sunday night sort of recap show, uh, Clash of Champions and Bloodsport and stuff. Uh, for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.